0: Welcome to the Drunk Guys Book Club, where each week the drunk guys tackle a famous book while drinking craft beer matching the book, characters, or themes, such as The Devil Made Me Do It while reading The Scarlet Letter, or Dissenter while reading 1984. You'll just have to tune in to find out what went along with Fifty Shades of Grey, but you'll definitely want to find out. Find us on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever fine podcasts can be found. Have you ever heard a story and thought someone should really turn that into a movie? I had to learn a lot of Naughty it. Tune into Scriptbait and hear some of the strange, funny, or dramatic stories from history that have Hollywood written all over them. And, and he hatched kind of this scheme that to me is 100% an episode of Trailer Park Boys. Find Scriptbait wherever you get your podcasts. Oh lord. <laughs> I like where this is going already.
1: <laughs> uh ken harrison here former uh, composer for the mcgarvey series uh back in the uh boy 80s and 90s i guess that was uh then we uh then uh, rick uh, did have a passion for western music so we went on and did legend after that and uh, i did all the episodes for that and that was kind of a, a hoot and i'm here talking with matt jackson on his podcast hi i'm richard dean anderson name's MacGyver. Colonel Jack O'Neill, SG-1. My name is Pratt. Ernest Pratt. I always get a happy,
0: tingly feeling when I see those guys.
1: Name one contract that I failed to execute. MacGyver.
0: Oh, here we go. You're a target. And I don't intend to miss it.
1: Over my rotting corpse. I'm sorry, did I say that out loud? Glowing eyes, cliché behavior, evilness, that kind of thing. Is mental illness contagious? You think? You can do anything you want to do if you put your mind... Well, you do have a penchant for pulling brilliant ideas out of your butt. Head. Out of your head when you need them. Oh, the stuff's already here. I just find a different way to use it.
0: I like your attitude.
1: Permission to take a team through the stargate, sir?
0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of the MacGyver Podcast. I'm your host, Mac Jackson, and I'm thrilled today to have someone who, if you've ever listened to a previous podcast uh, episode, you've heard me talk about how essential and timeless the music is. Uh, And I'm thrilled to have one of the composers from the show on on major important episodes, too, uh, Ken Harrison. So thank you for joining us, Ken. You bet. Thanks, man. <laughs> Um, Yeah, It's funny because I, I had no idea how to reach out to you. I, I didn't know if you were on Facebook or, you know, any social media. And I thought, well, who knows if you even, you know, would be interested. And then uh, podcast uh, listener Mark had reached out to me and said that he was in touch with you. Yeah. And uh, he said, yeah, I think he'd like to do it because he's, he's a nice guy. And I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm always about the nice guys.
1: <laughs> well, that's great. Now, again, Mark reached out. And, um, you know, I've received – MacGyver was huge in, in France, huge. Oh. I mean, they still air it. They, I still receive residuals from it. So um, I've received several, you know, fan letters, if you will, from from France. And Mark was one of them. But he had a unique situation where he was looking for memorabilia – are just uh, keepsakes from that series that he's going to eventually put into some kind of museum, and right now, you know, all my scores and sketches and 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 uh, tapes and what have you are down in my garage and have been for the last twenty plus years. So uh, it was a great excuse to go down there, dig through the archives, get the old scores out, and look at all those tiny little notes that I wrote. And, uh, and be able to share them. So uh, it, was, it was a labor of love. And I was able to send him, um, I think we had the original timing sheets yeah. for a couple cues. Uh, my original, uh, I used, usually use a two-line sketch. So I had my, my original sketch. And then I even had the original orchestrated score. Because um, when we did the last three seasons of MacGyver, um, they would fly me from L.A. When, where I lived prior. Uh, to where I am now, um, they would fly me from LA to Vancouver, Canada to record it. And now they shot most of the episodes up there. So they started to, to do the, um, the music up there because of, there was a uh, tax benefits for them to use a Canadian. And I, I am dual citizenship. So um, I was going to Vancouver every other week to record it. But in those days, we used fax machines. Uh-huh. Um, and I would, I would orchestrate the, the score. Shove it through a fax machine, and then put the original score in a box, and that's what again I was able to find in the garage last uh, last week, and send yeah. Mark a nice package of timing notes, sketches, and the original score. So wow. it was.
0: Uh, I think.
1: Uh, I think it's it's going to be fun to share those
0: with people. It, well, if you ever scan them in, you know, through the computer, send them my way, because I'll be. I'll proudly. I mean, if, besides putting them on the website, and I and I kid you not, I'm a, I'm a musician myself. I would frame them because yeah. they're so – to me personally, they're so influential yeah. uh, that I would put them – well, you could see my wall. You could see the Mac wall, yeah, That's right. yeah. I would put them among that because – and I'm not kissing butt when I say this though, but your music has been timeless and, and so hmm, – I think many people take – music for shows for granted and i think there's such a one of the things i learned from your writing is not just obviously it's easy to say well you have to match the mood of the moment yeah but i think the real skill is to not overplay it and to know how to do that transition with mood like you know you're going from a tense moment to an even faster tempo of okay now you know things are getting ramped up right and it's a delicate balance to not overshoot which i've seen other composers on shows do or god forbid not give it the gravitas that it deserves yeah
1: well yeah i appreciate that i did um i you know my mentors were uh yeah. Probably composers that a lot of people haven't heard of, but uh, like Bruce Broughton, um, Mort Stevens. Again, when I started out, I started out as a copyist and librarian for CBS Studio Center in Studio City, and um, and we did we did such shows as Hawaii Five-O, Gunsmoke, How the West Was Won, and a numerous other episodes and movie of the weeks and but they were fine composers. Mort Stevens was amazing. Bruce mm-hmm. Broughton was amazing. I, and I learned from them because I would, I would go to this, to the, to the recording sessions. And even though I was the copyist, I still, I sat in the booth and gave cues to the engineer saying, here comes the you know, flute solo. Here comes the French horn solo. Um, but little did I know that I was in school. I mean, I had the score in front of me. I had the orchestra on the other side of the glass. And all these amazing composers coming through on a weekly basis that it was a great, great, uh, learning, you know, session for me. Mm. Um, and so they taught me, you know, uh, thank goodness. They were really fine composers because I did pick it up. I did learn that the energy, um, is important, even if there's not much going on. And boy, I don't know how many, how many hours of music I wrote of Mac and MacGyver trying to, you know, uh, Dispose a bomb or something mm-hmm. you know, over minutes and minutes, and not much is going on other than his close-up of his hands. Right. So again, just to put the sense of urgency and energy into it um, was something I definitely learned from from these, you know, my my years of sitting in a booth, giving uh, cues to the engineer. Yeah. So again, I, I worked a, I worked really close with the, with the film. Um, I caught, I did I was known to catch everything in the film. A lot of composers that were wonderful. Um, did what we call wallpaper music, and it was basically music that was there, but it didn't necessarily accent or point out a change of mood or or something that was important um, in the scene.
0: Where yeah, it just fills my, the
1: space. It just yeah, it just filled the space. It filled the void, and uh, and that in it, but it worked. It worked great, and uh, it was just a different approach. Um, I loved working with the film. I loved it. Again, Johnny Williams is another my hero and he's another one that would catch a light going on. I mean, that's the kind of, that's, that's what I did. And it served me well because, you know, I did it for 23 years and that's a good run for, (laughs) uh, for in Hollywood, 23 years. Oh yeah. Yeah. um, Yeah.
0: Well, I'm telling uh, you the, uh, I was, you know, I've had, uh, Rick drew and John Shepard, John Constantine, (laughs) uh, and Stephen Downing was on recently. And oh, you're kidding.
1: Steve, we, is it?
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, all, all great, wonderful people. Yeah. And they would say, like, we would have the conversation saying, you know, the thing, one of the things that that is minor but yet so important is the pacing of an episode. And I would say just to have MacGyver walk from his car across the street, walk onto a porch and look in a window. Well – not every show can pull that off because a lot of times they want to just get to the action, get to the action. Okay, that's right. But it's those quiet moments that can mean just as much as an explosion if you get that feeling yeah. going. And the music, such as yours, has helped keep that, ooh, this is important. Okay, watch. Ooh, he's, get, okay, he's just walking across the street, but you feel like <sighs> you could feel that you know, anxiety of the moment. Yeah. Because at any moment he can get caught peeking yeah. in a window you yeah. know and i and i I've watched other shows that have been less successful in that we, you know we could tell it, in the editing bay they probably should have went all right just cut that out because we don't you know it yeah, right. slows the the right. moment the momentum down
1: well you know what and also I, mr. Steve put a, put together a great group of directors too for this series from the Mike Vehars the jim you know the jim uh, Jim Conway I mean they're there was some marvelous directors in here that really, you know, pictorially, I would just really helped. And it just inspired, you know, us composers to have those moments and be able to highlight them. So it was a, you know, it was a real, it was just one of those rare family group efforts on MacGyver. I mean, everybody from top to bottom, were all part of the, of the end product and it showed, I mean, you know, everybody respected everybody. No one, there was, you know, there wasn't, there were no egos involved. I mean, Rick was there. Um, everybody participated uh, on an equal level. And it um, It was just, I was very, very fortunate to be part of that for seven years.
0: I think that's one of the the legacies of the show, too, because everybody's always said the same. Every. <clears throat> it wasn't, like you said, it wasn't about ego. It was about, <clears throat> we are part of this end product. Yeah. What We all have the same vision. And, you know, I think there's certain shows where you could see where that was. I think Stargate uh, SG-1 with Rick, a lot of those people went over to that. Legend, as you know, was another one yeah. where it, it was such a great show. Unfortunately, it was on a bad network. Yeah. But it was – John, John uh, Constantine said, yeah, we knew we were done before we started because when they put us on UPN at the time – you know, they're like, we're not really going to do much with it. It only maybe three states get to see the station, yeah. and I remember being so excited. He's doing a cowboy show. Oh man! And you know, and then to find out that I'm in Pennsylvania, and most of us didn't get that station. I had someone from upstate. Yeah, too bad, cause
1: there. I mean, there was a lot of love and a lot of work put into that, uh, into that series, and it was, it was, it was cute as hell. I mean, it it was a great little series and again it just that it just nobody saw it which is yeah but uh,
0: But i'll tell you i was part of the campaign to get it put on dvd and oh yeah so thank god it's on dvd now which is wonderful
1: wonderful. (laughs) again i'll have to i'll have to definitely get that yeah
0: and and (laughs) it's it's nice and cheap too so i mean besides it coming out i thought listen i worked so hard to try and like push for this whatever they ask i'm going to pay for it and then when you look at the price you go Oh, that's not bad at all.
1: Yeah, No, that was a that was a that was a fun show. Um, and a lot of yeah, a lot of the family went over to that show and worked on it, you know. Um, but Rick went from standing in the rain in Vancouver doing MacGyver to, to sweating like a pig in in town in the south where they filmed it. So that was pretty extreme. But uh, where, where, again, where did
0: they film it? Do you know? They
1: filmed it. They filmed it down in Arizona or somewhere mm. i forget where they they did it down there you need it, a lot of it, desert so that makes a lot, lot of desert you know but again they, they made it look really good um and again that was just a good a good group effort rick was really involved in the music and that he kept on sending me cds of ry Cooder, um and uh and so we 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 did, uh, you know i i basically tailored the underscore to fit that and uh it you know playing dramatic drama plus comedy mm-hmm. uh plus country i mean it it we had our challenges but it, again it was uh it was just a great group effort and a, and a lot of fun
0: did you write the uh the theme song for legend i did i, I did. love that theme yeah, song so much great, that that theme worked
1: perfect and i was able to you know i was able to use that for you know many different uh you know feelings during the show
0: uh-huh, uh,
1: uh-huh. but yeah it was good it, that was a again that was another just another great opportunity and a lot and it,
0: of fun. and it ties in with the feeling of the two western episodes macgyver's women and serenity serenity well you know
1: what that that i think that was the start of it because i know everybody really had a good time um doing serenity because it was different i mean it was different mac it was a different macgyver and oh yeah fall asleep on a couch it basically gave us and in fact, I think we even did another one where he fell asleep and dreamed of him in the Knights of the Round Table.
0: Oh, that was Good Night MacGyver. That was the Good Night MacGyver. Yeah, yeah, we
1: did that too. So again, it just it just opened up uh, some more creative, you know, avenues for us without you know being the the, the same the same same type old of, same old same old same old. So Serenity, uh, I, I that was a blast and was really successful. And uh, I think that that probably just lit the fire to create legend and and get yeah. it going.
0: Well. Yeah, uh, who was it? Was it? I'm trying to think of which of the writers because they, they were saying about how Rick loved westerns and yeah, you know they they had planned on uh, I don't know if it was John Shepard or Rick Drew, but they were planning on doing I think it was Tombstone Three, and Rick was going to be in it. It was supposed to be him because of how much he loved westerns. Yeah. I guess he was going to be who Wyatt Earp or whoever the the lead yeah. of that was, yeah. and it unfortunately fell through but uh you're right because i remember you gotta remember from my point of view i don't know what's coming week to week right you know they i just see the preview next time on macgyver and you're like oh okay what what?" try and figure out what the plot's gonna be and then they show this one wait a minute what he's like he's a cowboy and he doesn't and what made it great was he didn't realize it it wasn't macgyver going wow i'm back in western times it was a whole reimagining of yeah, him, yeah. what if he were, a cow, you know, b- born in yeah. that time. Fantastic. And the fact that he was a Civil War soldier who was given up, you know, guns because of that. It, it felt, like you said, it felt so different. And yet, because of your writing, as much as it was original music, it still felt like it was connected to the series. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? It, it, there's a subtle... Yeah. Even though there's maybe a, a banjo and a pedal steel in it, it yeah. you can still feel that oh, the momentum and the the, the ebb and the flow of the episode, yeah, that's you know. Good. That's
1: it's, good.
0: Yeah, it it it's amazing. And then of course Goodnight MacGyver, such yeah. a monumental episode because we find out his first name.
1: Yes. Now yes, that was they, a big that was a I remember that and that
0: was a big secret and uh and they finally came out with it, yeah. Did you feel like did you feel like the pressure of I gotta hit this timing right on this music because at this moment he's gonna say his name
1: well you know what yeah that was one that was one uh, episode that definitely had to be important as was the uh, boy I did the last episode as he rode off on a Harley with his sure.
0: son stringer and, uh, stringer, you, know, yeah.
1: and um, you know there was a couple definitely definite music moments that I'll never forget um, and I knew that you know I had a big job to do <laughs> on those moments. Another one we did, we did an episode called the kill zone.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I, went to,
1: I went in to spot this and, and I think it was Steve Downing that said, Ken, you're the bad guy in this, in this show. He said, but we don't see him. I go, what? Mm-hmm. And apparently I had to create a sound that was this, this invisible, uh, I guess virus mm-hmm. that, that was killing animals and killing people. And whenever it was present, I had, to, I had to create a sound and then use the sound to be the bad guy, be this, the presence of this virus. And um, that was really kind of a challenge, but again, a lot of fun. Wow. Um, I, so hadn't I, even,
0: I haven't even thought of that because you're right. There is a sound, but I, I never picked up on, yeah. ooh, that's uh, actual essence that that's is it. put in there.
1: The presence of that, of that invisible killer is there. And it was there, and I had to tell people when it was there. Wow! So that was that was a lot of again. This show made me grow so much musically, Uh, you know. Then we capped it off with doing the two uh, MacGyver movies that they shot in England, just beautifully, Mm -hmm. beautifully shot. Mm -hmm. And um, I was able to, you know, I did that, I did that about sixty percent electronically, and then went up to Vancouver and sweetened it with a with a, a small orchestra, and it sounded like a, it sounded like a A beautiful symphony orchestra, and we were done. It was quite an effort, but boy, musically, (laughs) that was some of the that was some of my most proud musical moments. Were in those two two two-hour movies.
0: And Stephen was saying too that uh, before, because of MacGyver, they used it was an orchestra. It wasn't electronic. It was all real musicians, you know, in a room playing. It uh, it was it was for most of the episodes, but. Then later on,
1: and as we got into the the 90s, because uh, I wrote that after I moved from LA, I moved up to Bellingham, Washington here, and I did those I did those movies up here, mm-hmm. and um, it was uh, it was partial. It was probably 50 50 electronic, that I would simulate an orchestra and then sweeten it with live musicians, and it right. just it the process then was was a little a little more arduous than it is now, mm-hmm. um, but it was it was uh, along those lines, and to to marry the two media together was a, a challenge but boy the payoff was was wonderful because it sounded glorious when well he
0: it. was giving you a lot of credit too he goes yeah we could have just got electronic but ken came in and made sure he put the the real orchestra yeah. behind it and it does you're right it does make such a difference yeah because your uh, ear knows it whether you're you know it or not like you could pick up
1: yeah yeah but again the stuff that i mean that this this Sampled sounds and electronic music just uh, it got it really improved on an annual basis and to where you know I would defy anybody to to know that it was electronic when it was literally when it was electronic where and it just sounded orchestral the sample sounds were that good and you learn the tricks of the trade and how to make these sounds sound real and um, it's amazing what we got away with electronically because it would cost literally hundreds of thousands of dollars to produce an orchestral score for those MacGyver movies where we were able to pull it off for it within our budget and make it sound like it was a huge, huge orchestra.
0: Yeah. Um, You know,
1: playing London, the areas of London and uh, all these beautiful shots and uh, and uh, trails to Atlanta. Was it, was it trails to Atlantis? No, The Lost Treasure of Atlantis. Yeah, The Lost Treasure was. of Atlantis. Yeah. yeah, Trails to Doomsday. Doomsday. Trails yeah. to Doomsday, yep, Trails to Doomsday. Both of those were big, you know, Indiana Jones-type mm-hmm. shows. Uh, and Definitely. so it had to have the that, – that kind of – it had to be supported with that type style of music, and and we, yeah. and we were able to do it. So, and you uh,
0: know what's something, too? It, it, they were, you know, as thankful as, obviously, I and everybody else uh, are for the – when you take – It and film them back to back in England. Yes, it does change the dynamic, and I think your music helped bring it back to center. Like no matter where they went, no matter where it was filmed, if your music was behind it, you 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 go ah. I'm familiar with this. I'm okay. I'm okay with them being there. There's Big Ben. I'm okay with that. Yeah, because it. uh, Who was it? Uh, John wrote a uh, trail to doomsday and he was saying that they wanted to go darker whoever they are that was in charge of those movies uh-huh. said, for this next one we want it to be darker we don't want it to be as lighthearted so yeah. you know it you could feel that i mean he a lot of the time he's searching through the sewers looking for bad guys you know yeah and and he gets poisoned and gassed and you know then the nuclear fusion thing at the end yeah That's the payoff for me. That music, for that, when, when, you know, the countdown's begun, he gets stabbed. You know, the girl throws the knife in his thigh, and then she sets it up. Well, what are you going to do now? She closed the thing, just like with um, uh, Killzone is another perfect example. You have an impossible situation, and you're running out of time. That music... You feel that every time, and and again, you're talking to a guy who watches these a billion times, and I never get tired of it. You've definitely seen them a lot more than I have. (laughs) Well, I recommend them. (laughs) They're, you know, because you feel that oh, oh crap, it's getting worse. Oh boy, oh man, and you're you could feel the clock ticking down. Yeah. So that music is very, and then the that moment where everything's okay. Yeah. Yeah, well, that,
1: that, that This show definitely forced me to write fugues, um, which were really handy and useful. Like if Mac was trying to figure something out and it went on for minutes and minutes, again, without being boring and to keep the energy going and the sense of urgency, I'd start off with one line of music and just build. And I think, um, I forget, it may have been in one of the two-hour movies that we did. Um, I had five lines, five melodies going at the same time. And it was just to be able to, to do what you're saying is just to drive it mm-hmm. for that, you know, four to five minute uh, sequence, mm-hmm. uh, and yet keep it keep everybody on the edge of their seat. And but again, this it, it, this this show forced me to grow uh, as a composer, and uh, I'll
0: always treasure that. Yeah. I, I, now, did you? <laughs> it Sounds like a simple question. Did you dream of being a composer? Was that your no goal? You kind of fell into it. I was very,
1: very fortunate, and uh, I was twenty. I I was went to I went to LA Valley College to study um, medical illustration, but I was also took piano lessons. I was in a rock band in high school, Um, so music was part of my life. But when I got to my when I when I attended my second year of college, I discovered that mathematics and I do not get along well at all. (laughs) Yeah, welcome to my world. so i i just hung i went and just and hung around the music department and I discovered the business of music. I had no idea the how fast it was I had no idea, hmm. so I went and hung around the um the music department i became the the music department copyist because of my i guess i had a, a nice hand um for illustrations so it, it it transferred over to my music so i be, i did all the copying for them um And one day we had a music director from CBS, Don Ray um, came from CBS studios and he composed a piece for the local symphony. And I was given the task to copy it. And it was uh, an overnight job and it went really well, very few mistakes. And, um, and he was somewhat impressed. And he introduced me to the copyist at CBS studio center at that time, who was Gerald Emmel. Jerry Emil um, just it was a was a copyist at that point, also getting into composing. Huh. He later he later went on. And we did the we did <coughs> Dallas. We did the series Dallas and Knots Landing. And I recognize and so, the name. Yeah, Gerald Emmel. great, just a great guy. So um, he introduced me, and within a year, I was I was like fourth call copyist at CBS because of that connection. Um, and so and I was happy. I was like 22 years old, 23 years old. Third call fourth call copies at CBS I would live in large I was happy okay. and that was it then um within that year I became good friends with the with Bruce Broughton who was the music director in the department at that time and a composer and um i was done, then I became the head librarian and and head copyist there at, at twenty four so I was happy as a pig in slop. I was going to, that was my life. I had people underneath me. I had a crew. We had series coming through. We were slammed. We did the Emmy Awards. I mean, it was, it was wonderful. <laughs> but again, I didn't realize that I was, you know, I was learning. I was on the job learning. Cause again, I was still, I was a very ambitious 24 year old. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I had all these opportunities to sit and, and experience all these different styles of music. Then Jerry Emel, um, who I replaced as the copyist because he moved on to composing asked me to orchestrate and one of the first things he gave me was a 60 second piece of music that he wrote out the the chord symbols and the melody to and said here just make this sound big and western and um he was he was involved in a god i think he had two or three projects going on and so he gave it to me to orchestrate so i went home and and i spent three days four days on this 62nd piece of music just really doing whatever i can and um and when I went to the recording session, um, that's what lit the fire under me because it was the theme song to Dallas. Oh, so, so I wrote all the counter lines and I did, you know, I did all the filigree and, and, and it was fun <laughs> and it was fabulous. And that was it. So I did obviously after that gig, um, Jerry had me do quite a bit of orchestrating for him. And then ag- again, I, as the doors opened, I was fortunate enough to get these opportunities and, you, know, you take them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so then I started, you know, maybe I was I started farming out a little more of the copying and doing more orchestrating, and then Jerry said that he he couldn't do a series called American Girls, and uh, would I be interested? And he introduced me to the people at Columbia TV, and I did a series called um, a short series called American Girls, which was like a, like a, a different Charlie's Angels. Mm. So again, then I started. Composing more, and then after that, I was um, I was introduced to the Fantasy Island people, and that's when I was able to say goodbye to the copying, mm-hmm. and kind of goodbye to the orchestrating, and then concentrate on composing. So again, I was extremely fortunate, really lucky, uh, to have these opportunities. And again, getting onto Fantasy Island was another training ground because. At that point, this is when Dynasty was coming on. This is when Dallas was coming on. And those were, like, those were nighttime soap operas where the music style never ch- didn't really change weekly. Sure. Where on Fantasy Island, I had two guests coming to the island every weekend, and every week was different music. It was, I was forced to write different styles of music. So I would go home and just woodshed you know, jazz or whether it was horror music or mermaid music. I did the mermaid music with, you know, with uh, F- Michelle Michelle Phillips, I think. No, Michelle. You know, she was in the Mamas and Papas. She Michelle was,
0: Phillips, yeah, that's
1: it. Michelle Phillips. She played Naya the mermaid. So, again, I was forced into writing all these different styles of music, which, again, it just broadened m- myself as a composer. So, uh, I was just, you know, Mac, I was just – probably the luckiest young man in the business in the, in the, in the you know, the uh, late seventies, eighties and nineties. Cause um, the opportunities did come and I was able to take advantage of them. And
0: um, well, I think it helps that you were, you knew to be grateful. Like some people oh. in the business uh, can be a little oh, oh I don't right. know arrogant. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely right. And I've
1: I've worked with both sides. I worked with mm-hmm. some of the big stars that were that were always you know the Bill Bixby was amazing. We did uh, Mr. Merlin together, and you know he was a big star, but he was so appreciative of what he had, what and the opportunities. It just you know there's I definitely from day one knew how lucky I was, and and now I look back on it. And I talked to my old colleagues, like, you know, uh, my old composing buddies, like um, Bill Conti and and, um, and Pete Myers. And we always talk about the old days and how fortunate we were to be there at that specific time where it was a small family. Oh, yeah. You know, the composing for TV, there was a small family of us, maybe 15 of us that did majority of the work for those 15, 20 years. And um, again, we look back at that and, and definitely – definitely pride ourselves in being able to, you know, to, to have a, a good long run. Yeah. Well, so.
0: and, and to have someone go, listen, I can't do the show. Would you like to work on this show? Yes. Oh yeah. You know, I, no. I, you have to say yes. You no, well even, yeah. Even if you don't, I mean, I, I,
1: I've said yes many times. Sure. I could do that and I go home and I have the runs for two days or I have an upset stomach cause I'm scared to death. Yep. But you, but you do it. Cause if you say no, well then there's fifty other guys right behind you that would do it, and off they go so exactly there no is not in the vocabulary for a composer who's starting out that asked if you do this style of music you say absolutely I can. <laughs> well, and then you it, go home and you just woodshed all night and listen to every you know cut of music you can and and, it get,
0: and I know it because it gets addicting I mean I'm you know i besides the podcast and and i I'm a singer songwriter and I have the audio series, which I have to find, you know, music to use to do it. And originally I had a guy who I was like, hey, you're you're a composer, you love to write instrumentals. Here's what I need, are you up for it? Because I figure if I write it, here's what my thought was, I'm gonna write an episode, I'm gonna send it to him, I'm gonna let him read it, and then he can come up with the beats, you know, and maybe we'd go back and forth a bit. Sure. Well, he, at first he goes, yeah, I said, great. All right, let's start with the theme song. I want a combination between MacGyver and obviously SG one. Can you do something like that? It has to have that sort of build to it. Yeah. And he goes, yeah. So he came up with what he came up with. Uh, I had to edit it a little bit because it, it ran like four minutes and I'm like, no, you just need a 32nd intro. Yeah. Um, and then he did a couple more pieces and then said, uh, I'm out. I don't, I don't know if I could do this. And he just bailed on me. Yeah. And I thought, but this week, Oh, and I thought, what am I going to do? Because, you know, this is an audio series. So you, if it's just me reading or, or acting, that's fine, but you need the music. You need the tempo to be, you know, that shift. Yeah. Well, I've been able to find free orchestral music here and there. And now I just, based on your work, uh, which is another reason why I couldn't wait to talk to you, uh, to know when to do the timing switch, like get, get all right, up the tempo and, and now add this in and how to merge them. Cause it's so crucial, you know? And I remember yeah. thinking, okay, honest to God, and I mean this sincerely, I can hear your pieces of music in my head as I'm writing. And then I go, okay. So that would be then okay. Now we're gonna ramp it up a bit, and you know, and know how to then know how to not cut it off. You have to kind of like fade, yeah. you know, from that high pressure. Well, now everything can calm down again. Yeah. And. Uh, yeah, you know,
1: and I, again, I I still think I picked that technique up from uh, from my early years in the booth at CBS, just giving cues to the engineer. Um, you know, everybody, every composer handles they they approach a scene completely different. Where when I was not a composer, that during hiatus went and wrote my tuba symphony. You know, (laughs) again, I I composed music to a scene. The scene wrote the music for me. Um, I I couldn't just sit down and write a song or write write an orchestral piece of music. Um, I I needed the guiding the guidance of 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 a scene. And I can't tell you why. Uh, this is the magic of it. The magic of it was that it just it, you just feel it and you write it down. Um, there's no reason why you know. There's no law anywhere that's written where it says that you have to go into a tempo here at this point when when, when this happens. Or uh, I know Hollywood loves its dialogue, so you definitely have to clear for dialogue. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of little rules, but again, it's just that it it's whatever comes from your heart when you're composing this thing uh, is what goes, goes down on paper. Before I was composing, I worked for Don Costa. Don Costa was the arranger for, for Sinatra, the Osmonds, Sammy Davis. I mean, and I'd go to his, I'd go to his house and um, I'd lay out his scores for him. This is before I was even a copyist. And I'd do some copying for him. And he was asked when he was asked to speak. One day at USC, the film class there. Sure. And so he says, guys, I said I go. To, I have to go to USC today and tell these people, you know, just and do a, a seminar." I said, "Okay, well that'll be interesting and fun." He goes, "No," he says, "because you know they want me to tell them, you know, how I do it." And uh, and it's just "I don't, I don't know, I don't know how it happens." But the same, the same experience that I experienced, you know, years later, I get it now. When, what Don was saying that. It just comes out and there's no real rule on, on how you should apply, you know, a certain musical technique. It just, uh, he says, I, I don't, I can't tell them how to do it. I just, it, I just do it. And that's, whether that's a cop out or ignorance or what it is, but it's, it's true. Basically, you know, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do about a scene until I actually sit down and I live with that scene for, you know, a number of minutes in in the studio, and then you just you just start, and it just kind of um, you feel it eludes. You just, yeah, you, you I, it. It I've given the exact same
0: it. I've given the exact same reason. How how do you write that song, or where did that emotion come from? You you have to be open to it. Yeah, it, yeah. it's part it's part of being <clears throat> being open to it, and also not being embarrassed to feel it. I think is a big thing because a lot of times when writing you know, you, ooh, am I going to do this? Am I going to go this high on this note? Am I going to, you know, because it could sound a little. Yeah. Well, uh, you
1: know what, and, and that's good. You know, when it, when it comes from your heart, when it comes from your gut, um, you know, I, I was, again, I was so fortunate that I had very few cues in my career changed or altered mm-hmm. and on the dubbing stage. You know, they I knew they worked. And I know that I wrote I wrote a specific mood for a good reason. And whether it was what the what the director was trying to you know convey on the screen, I supported that. Or what he or what the actor couldn't do, I had to put in there. And you know, I I can't tell you how many sessions I went into and then and the, you know, we start the spotting session off with the producer saying, Yeah, Ken, we really need some help with this actor because he didn't quite you know, do Oh whatever. nail
0: the line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So again. Um, you were the fix-it guy. And it was, um, again, it was, uh, whenever, in fact, I remember uh, John Moranville, I don't know if you heard that name, but he was the, he was the producer on MacGyver. And uh, he would go to the sessions with us in Vancouver. He'd fly up with us. And if he had a question about a cue, he would say, you know, meet me in my office on the headphones. And we'd go and meet and discuss a particular um, approach to a scene and, you know, many, many times that we'd have that discussion, I would win. But, again, it was, uh, it was, um, it was because I felt that confidence that when it was written, it was written this way for a reason, and this is why. Mm-hmm. And, if, you know, I had to go in there and uh, basically, you know, voice my, my reasoning. And most of the time, you know, I won. Uh, so that was another fortunate yet growing experience <laughs> uh, with this show. And
0: well- uh, it was good. The uh uh the the liveliness to hear that that sounds like there's there's an energy of you know on the fly yeah you wrote it this way but now let's justify it or let's switch it up a little bit that's gotta be fun because it feels very much alive. Uh, fun. Whether, I mean, making those changes. Well, I mean in hindsight, maybe, it's fun. <laughs> but like at the time, I, can, I I imagine yeah. it's stressful, but there's a, there's a life to it.
1: It's, well, there's definitely a life to it. But again, this showed that this showed the, the group participation and the respect that each of us had for each other. There was no arguing on right. changing the cue. It was, gee, what about if we did this? And you know what? And, and, and because they are the producer and I'm the composer, it basically, you, you know, you try to make the boss happy so you sure. can work next week <laughs> um and so we we did we did that i mean i, I did that mm-hmm. um but again you try to avoid any writing on the stand because when you got 30 30 musicians in front of you you know you don't want to spend time rewriting parts because uh, again you have we had a usually we had a mountain of music to do in a certain amount of
0: time well um, that was going to be the question my next question was explain if you would i i would assume you're one of the Mm -hmm. do you do you write the music before the scene is shot or are you playing to an already shot scene um tv
1: is notorious for late for for last minute edits again i was lucky to be on shows that had their act together and very rarely did i have to change a cue on the stage because of an editorial uh change recent change Mm -hmm. so i usually get it 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 the earliest I would see it is probably a work print or a script if it's a two like the two hour movies. I think they they think they sent me scripts, um, and then I was able to start planning. But usually in TV, there's no time to even think. I mean, I I remember looking at my show on a Friday night on the air just to see it, mm-hmm. and I'd be seeing previews to next Friday's show that I don't spot till Monday. Wow, so that was a little intense. But that's that was television. That's how television worked. I mean, a lot of it was right up against it to where they'd run, basically run from the dubbing stage to the tape machine to put it in so it makes the feed in New York by showtime. I mean, it, wow. it, it
0: was that intense. So, so that that's the opposite of what I thought. I thought you were maybe one of the first no, people to see it, but no. you're one of the last. No, you are one of the last. So I, if, if, at best, I would get
1: a work print, and then I would spot it on the day and it's and and, it, and and most of the time it was quote locked, and then sometimes it wasn't. And then you'd get you'd get you know during the course of the week when you're you're writing, you may get the you know you may get from the film editor you might get some changes where things were just tweaked or scenes may have been cut, and then you can adjust. Sure. Um, but again, with a for a composer like me that catches everything, any changes were devastating to me because again everything was just so finely tailored that to change it was not not pleasant
0: or fun yeah <laughs> at all do you but think again of, you do it do you think of them like your children this little piece of music that i just did don't mess with my baby yeah.
1: well yes yes and those times that mr moranville called me into this booth to talk about it yeah yeah i mean i i was there you know i'm um, protecting the family basically and that's a, this is why i wrote it there was a good reason why i wrote it like this mm-hmm. and then you just had to just had to discuss that. I would See, think was that was still, probably yeah.
0: the hardest part of the whole darn thing. Is wait, I already completed was. this. This was a masterpiece Definitely. in my mind, and now you're messing with it. Definitely. Oh it, man. Yeah, it was. It, it, it was hard. It was hard for me, but part of the process. So. Did you? Oh, um, good. Did you use? Did you name pieces of music? Like yes. you know, every
1: cue had an M number, and every every cue every cue had a title.
0: Really, like it was something like a name that you whipped up. Of you oh, know. is it
1: just a name that best describes the scene, or you know, just something for the cue sheet? You know, okay. Q sheets are, are they're copyright. They're they're
0: critical. They're your future. <laughs> I, I didn't so. know how uh, uh, how oh. artistic you got with the naming. Where you know? Oh yeah, this, you got this one is called Beth and Sally. Why I don't know. <laughs> no, 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 no.
1: No, sometimes there there were play on words. I mean, you know, usually it was late at night and some of those titles are are quite funny, Um, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, every cue has its own title, its own M number, um, where, you know, depending on where it falls in the show. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it always, I always wished, and I'm, maybe you did too. I always wish they came out with a DVD collection of your, your music from the show.
1: Well, uh, I've been, I've probably got dozens and dozens of, uh, of inquiries from people saying, gee, I, where can I get the CD of the scores to the shows? Yeah. And you know, unfortunately they didn't do it back in those days, they mm. just didn't do it. Um, I mean, the DVDs for the series didn't come out until you know, not not that long ago. Right, The series has been long gone. Um, unfortunately, when I, I just, in fact, when I was down there getting this stuff out for Mark to send to Paris um, for his museum, I, d- I found boxes and boxes of all the old tapes. I, ha- I even have MacGyver. My some of my scores they gave it to me on quarter-inch tape hmm. that has been in the garage for 30 years, and you know, is probably crumble if I put it on a tape machine. <laughs> so and then it went to DAT. That, that tape it was stored on for a while, uh, but for a, a long time it was quarter-inch tape. Then it went to cassettes, little uh-huh. audio cassettes, uh-huh. and then. Um, you know, when I were doing the show, I never got anything digitally. Oh. so I, you know, again, one of these days in my retirement, as I always threaten, <laughs> uh, I'd like to go down there with a with a lot of cleaning head cleaner, and uh and put it on a tape deck and try to c- capture them electronically and digitize yeah. these guys. Uh,
0: honest that would to be God, a massive project, but but I think the reward would be there, and I think weird. if you, you know, there'd be people that would gladly market it for
1: you. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, you. Yeah, there's a lot of legal. I mean, you, again, the studio owns the publishing, so it's that would be a whole. Sure. That would be a a major undertaking, and <laughs> I don't even know if that's even possible. But <laughs> just for my own, you know, gratitude, I'd love to be able to go uh and hear hear some of these scores again. Yeah. Um, I think the movies, the movies, I think I do have on on CD personally, but uh, yeah, it uh, that would be my next um, that'd be my next long. <laughs> Long weekend project would be to digitize all those. And uh, that would be quite a task. But, yeah, <laughs> There's really a, rewarding,
0: though. Oh, without a doubt. And I'm telling you, there is, me alone, but I know the millions of others that listen. Yeah. It, 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 They are, to you, they're just changes from maybe, you know, a slower tempo to fast. But to us, when I hear anything MacGyver or even say the name MacGyver, that's what's going through my head. You know, and as like I said, as I'm writing, I can hear those in my head. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know what's going on right now. <laughs> uh, I, I'll take that as mission accomplished. No, without a doubt. Yeah. I, the, I was looking at some of the episodes, just, you know, some of the more emotional, like passages. Yeah, I got, I've gotten emails on that one. That, uh, I, pooh. I mean, yeah, that was,
1: that was an emotional. That was a gut wrencher. That was, that was beautiful. I mean that was a beautiful episode on the boat,
0: right? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. O- Osiris, and and, yeah. and it yeah. looks like Macgyver's oh, yeah. gonna die, and he gets to see his parents, yeah. and he has to say goodbye yeah. to Grandpa Harry. Uh, gut wrenching, no. and but character no. defining no. episodes, you know, like really important to the character. I,
1: that one st- that one sticks out to me too, Mac. Definitely, yeah. that was uh, that was again. It's uh, again, I I loved playing emotion. I loved it, and uh, it was fun to color, color it depending on, you know, what was on the, on the, on the screen. So.
0: Oh, I'll tell you, and it's, there's so good that we get emotional every time we watch it because what I'm doing besides for myself, I have two kids and my wife and and I with the kids will watch a random episode throughout the week. And you know, the Madonna, uh, the Passengers, uh, passages, I should say, uh, the stringer, like anything where there's supposed to be an emotion, will cry. Like it's it's one of those. And again, talking to a guy who's watched them a trillion times, I could still watch it. And there are moments where, you know, you get all choked up. And, yeah. and no,
1: that that was that was a beautiful show. And you know, as was the uh, the funeral scene, and I think um, Trail to Doomsday too, where they did a long, beautiful. They filmed it beautifully. The funeral of his friend.
0: Yeah, um,
1: MacGyver movie was another just
0: beautifully executed scene. Yeah. Cause they show as he's standing there, there's like a flashback to him. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, that,
1: that whole thing was, that was really, that was really,
0: really beautiful. Yeah. Well, um, so you're, you're, are you composing now or no? No, um, basically I'm not composing now.
1: Um, every now and then the, the local symphony asked me to, to compose a piece. Mm-hmm. And what I've done is I've taken excerpts from, uh, from the music I've written over the years. In fact, one of them was called, uh, um, I forget what I even called it, but it was excerpts from the MacGyver movies. Hmm. Uh, It started off with the big, you know, the big, you know, um, orchestral part of of Mac driving through London. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the piece started like that. And I just basically compiled themes from that movie into one piece of music and and conducted it. And the local orchestra here played it. Wow. um, It was a lot of fun. I wish somebody had,
0: I wish somebody had uh, videotaped it. Um, I
1: do have a videotape of that. You should throw it on YouTube. I should throw it on YouTube. Well, again, you get in the issues. Well, that's, well, again, the studio wouldn't care.
0: Right. You're not uh, making money off of it. So you're okay. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. So (laughs) I should probably, I could, I could probably do
1: that. Yeah,
0: definitely. And then I'll, I'll snag it and, (laughs) you know, promote it on the, on the, uh, Facebook page for you. Okay. Um, and you're doing real estate now? Yeah, I've uh, I moved to Bellingham, Washington in '91,
1: uh, and I composed again until 2000 up here. So again, I had my studio here. I moved up here in the middle of doing Melrose Place for mm. spelling, and uh, and then I did the MacGyver movies up here. I did lots of movie of the weeks up here. I was able to uh, to to find a fabulous guitar player uh, in Seattle that drove up weekly to do Melrose Place with me. He was also my engineer. So he mixed all the MacGyver stuff we did. Um, I had a, an incredible sax player from Vancouver that would come down. Uh, so I basically had a real successful um, electronic studio career here uh, for for a good 10 years after I moved here. Wow. Um, but I love it up here. And uh, oh, and, sure. and when the music business changed uh, in, in 2000, 2001, um, it just changed. Budgets were slashed. Um, it was just, it was ugly. Mm-hmm. I was tired. Sure. I mean, again, I was tired and, uh, I wasn't about to move back to LA. So I, uh, basically hung up, you know, put the pad and pencil away and, and try and, and sold Bellingham. Uh, cause again, I, I get it. I came here for a reason. I'm an outdoor guy. I have a hiking club. I love skiing and boating and, and hiking and, um, me too. And so this is this is this is paradise up here. It is just paradise. And plus, it was it's an hour from Vancouver. Right. Being dual citizenship, I was able to exercise that, um, and be able to do Canadian co-productions. So I did a couple series up in Canada for them. and again, I recorded them here in Bellingham, and then drove an hour to deliver the tape. You know, and those times it was it was you know pre nine eleven, and I was able to cross the border easily. Sure. Um, so it was, it was, it was good. And I, I I just, I just love it up here. So yeah. Yeah, selling Bellingham uh, is what I do now. And it's, it's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not as fun as writing scores, <laughs> but it's fun selling Bellingham. Cause uh, I, again, I, I understand when people come here from the big cities, I know what they're looking for and what can turn their, turn them on. You know?
0: <laughs> well, I liked your uh, page when I saw today on uh, Facebook, I was trying to find you. I saw, I've, uh, found you on Twitter and I couldn't find you on Facebook, but I found your, your, uh, page for real estate. And I went, Oh, yeah. gladly. I'll, you know, yeah. and I'm looking at the pictures and you're right. Because I always said, if I could travel and just do sightseeing, it oh, would yeah. be in your area in Vancouver. Oh, yeah.
1: oh there's no question. Cause
0: yeah. Vancouver alone. Oh, it's beautiful. Oh, I'm. And besides that, I know all the sites because of all the shows that have been filmed there. I yep, could tell you yeah. on that corner—that's where MacGyver stepped—or over exactly. there, you know. <laughs> that I would spend well, forever it's a, there.
1: It's a beautiful, beautiful corner of the world. I mean, again, we're again we're blessed up here. We haven't had the floods. We haven't had the hurricanes. We haven't had the fires. I mean, again, it's just a a, a beautiful corner of the world. And uh, yeah you know, and I, I, I've sold houses to people that have lived all over the globe. Um, and I take them on a hike and get them to the top of the mountain and I say, okay, so, so what do you think? And they just shake their head and that's why they're living here too. I mean, it's just a beautiful part of the world. So, oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I always love the aspect of real estate too, because I'm a sucker for exploration. So like with the hiking and and the skiing and all, I, I love that too. And, and to do real estate, you're kind of like, you know, I want to see what's in this house. When my wife and I uh, yeah. <laughs> through the years have had to buy a house or two, well, that lit a fire under us. So now anytime I pass a house, I think, I wonder what that looks like in there. Yeah, You know, <laughs> I want yeah. to see what, what's going on in that one. And you imagine what if you had to live there. So I've always dabbled with the thought of, wouldn't it be fun to do that yeah. type of work? Well,
1: it's, it's, it's fun because I sell the area, you know, and plus it's, uh, I'm still my own boss. So if it's a beautiful day and I, you know I can go I can go hiking, mm-hmm. again. Being you know being a composer, I mean you're an independent contractor. You are. Um, back in the days, you know, it was seven days a week for many many months. But again, that was my choice.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm.
1: So it's again, it's it's still nice to be able to make a de- decent living still, and um, and you know pick and choose your days when you can do
0: it. Has the pandemic uh, affected that a lot? It has, but in
1: in a different way that you would think hmm. people are dying to get out of Seattle. We have got, i we are, we are seeing more people coming here from California and Seattle trying to get out of Dodge uh, in these last six months than we have in the, in the last six years. Wow. So we've, we you know, we've sold some of the, the larger homes have been selling finally uh, because of these people that are moving here and, and doing their business remotely. It is definitely visible here. So, yeah, it did affect it. But in a that, for my business and real estate, in a positive way. Thank God. Yeah. I mean, again, <laughs> I'm a lucky guy, man. I, I'm just – I'm blessed. Uh, yeah. With my both careers, I've been very, very fortunate.
0: Um, before I let you go, because uh, I, I don't want to – as much as I love talking to you, I don't want to be <laughs> a pest and keep I'll, you forever. Um, did you do the – because again, these are questions, that, and when we're done, I may be sending you an email or good. two. Because oh, there's going to be, you know, oh, I meant to ask them this. Yeah. Um, with the with the theme song, did you update the theme song? No, no, because every couple <laughs> of years it would get changed.
1: Yeah, um, boy, I I can't remember that um, changing much. I've updated other theme songs on series that I've done that we, um, but. No, my MacGyver, I thought just stayed pretty much the same. The you know the unions required us to up uh, to re-record them every year. Yeah, uh, that was just a union function. They may have tweaked it a little bit. I was not involved with that.
0: Well, you know what I think it is. I, it wasn't that it was rewritten. It was like you said, re-recorded with more emphasis. Yeah. On Remix. You know, Yeah, and it matters because yeah. say season six was so much better than season two's version because there's that that comes in and you could feel the momentum of yeah this is macgyver this you know this isn't some show you're dealing with an iconic and the the changes that came along during your time felt more gravitas to it
1: yeah no yeah um i can't say that i um that i remembered that to be honest with you huh but yeah, that, I, I wasn't involved in, in the re-recording of that.
0: Yeah, well, whoever did, they did a heck of a job. <laughs> yeah. uh, again,
1: again, you know, the, the, the music business was was uh, changing in those 80s and 90s. Technically, you know, technology and mixing and, and microphones and tape and digit you know, digitizing. I mean, it all it all changed, and it definitely uh, it definitely <laughs> has an argument whether you know it definitely improved, if you will, if you
0: can say that. But I know a lot of people are going. Going back to the analog world, um, well, probably save more time once they went uh, digital, right? I mean, that was part of the benefit. Um, no, the only benefit
1: was for the studio to save money instead of hiring thirty musicians, hiring an engine, you know, a studio with a crew, paying, you know, paying benefits to all those musicians, paying reuse to all those mus- musicians. You know, it, it Mac it changed in one year in nineteen ninety. It was all orchestral. 91, one show had orchestra, and that was Star Trek. Huh. Just about every other TV show was electronic in, in a 12-month period. The community, the Hollywood you know, professional musicians community died a quick death oh. overnight. It was heartbreaking. But again, if you were a working composer and wanted to continue to work, you had to jump into the MIDI world. You had to go electronic because that's where... That's where everything went literally in one year, it changed that quickly. Um, You know, production companies would save thousands. I mean, it would be a package deal. In fact, you know, it went from me being the composer, which is, I was paid to compose and orchestrate. And then it would go to the copyist, then it would go, you know, to the studio, then, then everybody would be involved. And within one year, I was the composer, I was the performer, the musician, The producer, the music editor, I wore nine hats all of a sudden because it was a package deal. You were given X amount of dollars to give them a tape. Mm. So, again, it it changed that drastically, that quickly, and technology was changing weekly. It was a rock and roll show, I'm telling you, in the the early 90s because um, it all happened so abruptly um, that – you know again, if you wanted to be a working composer, you had to go electronic. those that didn't embrace you know the the four letter word midi mm-hmm. um you know just didn't work as much mm-hmm. and that was just that was just a that was just a fact I mean the business changed yeah that quickly well, I'm glad that you uh
0: you had your priorities straight and cared more about the creative process and didn't uh get yourself in a lot of trouble. <laughs> That was
1: good. I, again, I, again, I, I was I, I was a lucky young man.
0: Well, let me. Uh, I'll let you go, and great. I'll I'll probably bother you down the road if that's okay yeah, with anytime, you. Anytime, anytime, man. And, and <laughs> I'll uh, I'll get this up as soon as possible, and I'll send you the link in uh, email.
1: Sounds great. And I'll thanks
0: like again for not only chatting with me, but you know, giving me the the definitive soundtrack. Uh, but, what I. I've, it's what I, I really, consider the best.
1: I really, really appreciate that. You're really welcome. I will Bye. talk to you later.
0: All right. Thanks again, Mac. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. The MacGyver Podcast is part of the Forever Adventure Network. Some original artwork by Joseph Arnold. Donations can be made at Patreon to Mac Jackson. Look for our group pages on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at MacGyver Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review. And remember, stay creative, everyone. The Forever Adventure Network. Welcome to the adventure.
1: Hi, this is Amara from the Always Podcast. I want to make sure you know about another awesome show. The MacGyver sg1 audio series
0: his eyes darted over to jack's weapon sam start taking all the gunpowder out of these bullets he stunned jack by taking the gun from his hands and with one swift motion released the clip discharging the bullets in the chamber before handing the empty gun back to the general
1: it's written edited and performed by mac jackson of the MacGyver podcast he's bringing together the worlds of MacGyver and Stargate to bring us all new and ongoing adventures.
0: For some reason, something caused both Jack and MacGyver to glance up at the second-floor office window that hung over the large storage hangar. It was a shadow of a moving figure, a figure who now was staring down at them. Before they could say anything or move, the man ran over to the railing and opened fire on them. In that moment, they each knew they were about to be riddled with bullets.
1: Get into the epic story and hear how brothers Mac and Jack work together.
0: Suddenly, he spun on his heels to his brother. Jack, give me your phone. The general quickly took it from his pocket and handed it over. Yeah, it isn't working, you know. No, not as a phone. With that, MacGyver knelt down and smashed Jack's cell phone off the ground and cracked it open. As he pried it apart and reached for his knife, Jack stood stunned. That's... my phone.
1: And how they disagree.
0: As he turned the engine off, he rechecked the inside of his pocket and pulled out his automatic handgun to check the chamber. As he verified the bullets loaded, he could see the disappointing glare of his brother in the seat next to him. What? This again? I don't like guns, Jack. Yeah, me neither. I like getting shot a lot less.
1: Subscribe and review today on Apple iTunes and like the Facebook page to keep up on all the latest episodes. I've been catching up on past episodes, and you don't want to miss it.